0: Okay, so welcome to a new episode of the Behind the Host podcast, the Boostly podcast where you can learn the tactics, the trainings, and the tips to get more direct bookings. Uh, today, we've got a special host to come and join us, Natalie Dolben from the Right Property Group. She's the manager and founder. They manage over 150 listings UK-wide, and they have an average score of over 4.8, so they're very good at what they do. You really need to know about the Right Property Group because they are leaders in the corporate booking sector. And today on this episode, hopefully you'll learn some tips how you can be as successful as the Right Property Group and how you can scale your business as well. So Natalie, thank you so much for joining us today and welcome along.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: No worries, Elvis. Uh, absolute pleasure. Thank you for joining. So let's get started then by um, you explaining, first of all, introduce yourself. I know you've given you an intro- introduction there, but uh, tell me how the Right Property Group got started.
1: So it was kind of a funny one, really. Um, well, I've been in property for about 17 years, but I, I did buy to lets, um, flips, and um, touched a bit of a commercial, which I still own some. But it was a case of, My husband, he sort of said to me, you know, let's start going into service accommodation. And I said, uh, oh, I don't know about that. It It wasn't something that we'd ever sort of discussed before, were ever interested in doing. I hadn't heard great things about it. So when he sort of brought it up to me, it was like, I didn't really want to do it. He said that you don't have to do it. You don't have to manage it. We'll just get another management company to do it. And I was like, okay. So we got these four properties, they were coming on two weeks apart. So we got the first one, we went in, we set the first one up and that went on with the management company. And then two weeks later, we had no bookings on this first unit. The next one, we went in, set that one up. Two weeks later, we'd had no bookings for the first two units. We're setting up the third one. And at this point I was getting really anxious. And then knowing full well that we had the third one on, and then the fourth one was coming on. And we got to the third one. And we were like, I said to I said to Greg, I said, look, I'm really, I'm really worried now. I was getting to like sleepless nights. We'd had three vents going out. The fourth one was coming on. And he said to me, Do you know what? I'm like, that's it. I've had enough. I can't cope with you. You're stressing me out too much. So he went on, he pulled the plug on the management company, and he goes, You're gonna do it. <laughs> you think it's so easy, you're managing them. So I was like, oh, God, you put them on Airbnb yourself, put them on booking.com. And literally within like two days, we had the first two units booked. And I was like, oh, okay, so l- let's just do it then. So that was sort of where it stemmed from. So we just started managing them ourselves. They were like fully booked every week. And These units were in Bedford where we live. And We were going in, checking them after the housekeeping, making sure everything was great so that's kind of where it all stemmed from and then in that same block our housekeeper came to us and said there's another girl that's got a unit there that's completely empty it's with the same management company and I was like oh okay and she goes she wants to talk to you I've told her about you guys so she gave us her number and um, called her and she was like I've had it for eight months Um, I'm 10 grand down can you help me and I was like well I've never, like, I've only ever managed for other people on HMOs, I've never done it for SA. I don't know if, you know, if I'm gonna be good enough for you kind of thing. And she was like, no, you're doing it yourself, you can do it for me. So I was like, okay, I'll try it. So I took on her unit and this literally was March when COVID hit. So um, I took on her, her unit for her and she was fully booked all through COVID. Nice. So, um, so I had her unit on as well. And then we then we ventured into Northampton. So we took on Northampton and then we had another one of our investors who's still with us now approach us for Stevenage. So it kind of just stemmed from there, like kind of a little bit of word of mouth. And that's how we just started to grow. So that's how we got into it. It was was Greg's idea. I didn't want to do it, but I had no intention of managing. Um, So it was like an accidental manager situation. But um, yeah, I love it now.
0: That's awesome. So, starting, uh, you mentioned the area where you started was with, with Bedford, and yeah. you got a few units here there. So, it's now been that was back. So, that wasn't that long ago, was it? I mean, that's been a really yeah. awesome journey. Yeah, like it's and short, a half,
1: three years, yeah. Three years. Short period
0: of time. So, in that short period of time, talk me through. Was there stages of growth where you went? You know, when you went from you know, sort of your first three units that you talked about there, where you suddenly went, oh my god, we're at 20. What, what was the mindset at the time as you started to grow?
1: Because this friend of mine, she's now one of my really good friends, actually. When she came to me and said, I'll oh, manage for me. And I was a bit like, I don't know about this. And, you know, that was like my first ever management. it was going from there to then when the next person approached me for management, I was like, yeah, I can do it now. And then going on from there, we, we, we grew really slowly. In terms of the management side, we started taking on more rent-to-rents. And then we were, when we hit, I think, 20 units, that was my kind of point of, oh, we're we kind of a little bit legit here. <laughs> um, and then it's like you kind of get really busy. And I was getting phone calls. Because Greg, my husband, has a really solid marketing background, he was able to do a lot on Google. We ranked really high on Google. So we were getting a lot of calls from there. But it was it was more, we grew from word of mouth. Mm-hmm. So people would sort of recommend their friends and things like that. And they were calling us. So that was kind of our sort of turning point where people were calling us. And when people would call me and say, I've been recommended to use you, that kind of feeling of somebody telling somebody else that I'm good, there's nothing better than that.
0: No, the the power of the referral network is so important, yeah. and uh, based on reputation, you know, and and having even doing this, being open and honest, and going look, even uh, even one of the things you said, look, we we we've just started managing this. I'm not sure if we could we could do this back in 2020, mm-hmm. and of course you've proved you can, and uh, the reviews themselves speak for themselves. So that is that is amazing. Mm-hmm. So there'll be people listening into the podcast and on the live who you know are thinking about scaling themselves and you know uh, taking on units for management what What were some of the challenges along the way that you faced
1: i mean well we had covid
0: that's a big one (laughs) that was a
1: big one because we were so new at that point we were really new i think at that stage we were on about eight units and it was so fresh for us and we were like oh this could be a you know a business for us but then, um, surprisingly, we really grew through COVID. That we had such a huge growth spurt through that. But we thought that was going to be a huge challenge. Uh, it was in the sense of we couldn't host any leisure, but we became really, really big in the contractor world,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: we gained so we we really grew in terms of the direct side. Uh, we got a huge base for that. We got so many clients that we still have today. We we grew quite big in the um, the European side of the world. So um, that's where I think it's really built our base. But one of our biggest challenges, which is constantly ongoing, I think is the the guest side of things, the leisure side of things, which all, all hosts come up against, um, especially with the OTA bookings. Um, we find that, you know, people will book. And that was a big thing through sort of not only just COVID, but... Um, Every summer, especially when it was, they'd book it, the prices were increased and inflated so high because they couldn't go abroad and they had no choice but to do staycations. And because everything was so fully booked, people would increase their prices as a host Mm -hmm. because they could. And people almost begrudged that. So they would book it and they'd be like, okay, I want it to be perfect because of the price I'm paying. Mm -hmm. And then they'd be like, okay, I can't afford this. So I'm going to absolutely annihilate this place, even if, even if it's great, to get a refund. Yeah, and We're finding that kind of happens every year now. And they're just going, they turn up and they'll say, oh, there was a hair here and now I want a refund. And so they're kind of the same challenges that we find every year.
0: That's fair enough. And you mentioned, you know, a lot of your bases now come direct. So how have you built up? that base, and um, how do they book direct with you at the moment?
1: So a lot of our clients that we've built up, I think it was instigated through the whole situation with COVID. Um, because we could only accept contractors, we built up the clientele through there, and we've still got contractors that built uh, that booked originally then. We've built them relationships, and then we're able to build up our uh, European clientele so that's why we have um, large groups, like really large groups that now stay with us. They come over and they move around the country. So we've built up that kind of clientele. So that's why we get a lot of direct bookings.
0: That's cool. So they've, uh, they've come and stayed with you. They recognize how good hosts you are. And then they're moving from one location to the next location. And you've got hosts in that location who can then come stay. What, what an awesome way to build those relationships and to, yeah. to keep that guest there's something called lifetime client value and that's what you're building there you know these same people are booking time and time again and they you become their referred uh their referred host which is cool so one of the things which i know you know people will will be struggling with is did you find that what your business needs and the tech it needs changed as you grew so compared to there'll be people listening with one or two units there'll be people with 10 to 30 units and there'll be people with 50 units plus and 100 plus what what were the changes along the journey around what your business needed and and the tech side of things
1: yeah so we started off with one channel manager so we started off using hostfully which we really liked at the time it was great it was so easy to use but then we had to change and because it didn't have all the facilities that we used that we needed to use um and then we've now moved across to Zevu, and Zevu just had what we needed to grow and to continue to grow. It had things like where it produced statements for us. And now we're just like, it's a great platform. And Naeem's gonna be sitting there going, thanks Natalie for the shout out.
0: You will be sharing this Naeem. Yes. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I want some commission for this, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, it's It's got the facility that we needed to grow because it, it does, it massively changes in terms of what you, when, you're, when you've got a few units as to what you need. Same thing like dynamic pricing. We had to then move on to, to use price labs for that kind of tool where we could sit there and, and choose what we wanted for our nightly rates and things like that. And it's just, especially when you've got so many houses and you can't sit there. So for example, when we first had Bedford, we were able to sit there and say, what's going on next week? What's going on next month? We could do that manually. Now, when you're all over the UK, that's not something that you can keep on top of. So you need a tool that's going to be able to inflate the prices for you and know what's coming on board. Same with when I'm bringing on investors. So that's like, for example, I've got about 17 properties coming on board this month. I need to have a tool that's going to be able to log it all. So I use HubSpot for that. So it's all these kind of things. Like the onboarding team can keep track of what I'm putting on then they're ready to go and set up and do all the furnishing and staging and things like that. They can just grab it from me and, and run with it. So it's, it's using all these kind of different things to help you grow as a business.
0: It's Those tools are, are so important. And I know some people use them from, you know, one unit upwards, don't they? But just having these tools, like you say, with with Zivu, the reporting process, because you need that for your owners, the statements, well, that's a really important um, tool. So, Often we get asked um, all the time of what which one is the best PMS? And we say, well, it depends on you and your business needs. You know, if, if you've got one unit which is your own, you might not need all the features that some PMSs do. But depending on your business and the size, these features really do help you help you grow, which is amazing. So um, yeah, thank you for that. And when it comes down to the you mentioned that, you know, at one stage you'll be able to keep track of the guests. How do you get all the information you need to guests? Is that all automated? Do you use any special softwares for that side of things?
1: All information to guests.
0: To guests for their so, stay. Yeah.
1: So it depends on when you say information in terms of like check-in information. Yeah. Like that. So that's all automated through our channel manager.
0: That's cool. That's cool. That's, um and is there any other pieces of tech which you absolutely love and and you rely on as a business
1: um i think there's several i think it's it's all community really yeah i think it's everything together that we need um is there something that when we I mean, we have our, our management meetings or we sit down and we say we need this in order for this to work there's something missing here that this process isn't working and we sort of sit sit there and we discuss what some someone's lacking or And then that way we can say, okay, I've got an idea. How can that work? There must be something for that. And then we'll sit down and we'll work through it. And then someone has that idea or it's usually Greg, whenever there's something techie that's missing, he knows what it is and he'll say, yeah, I know what that is. I've got that. I can put that in place. And he knows what system it is to make it work. So, um, and then we'll get it. All the processes work more smoothly.
0: Yeah, it's that combination, isn't it? Like you say, between Mm -hmm. systems and people, and and just having the right mix uh, between the two. So all of your units, um, 150 now. Is there anything they share in common? Is there certain places that you like to host? Is it the more contractor based, or is it is it for people who are listening where they're thinking, "Oh, I need a management agent." Is it a case of you manage across the UK? Is there places that you prefer? So
1: when we're onboarding properties, I do get questions in terms of I'm either looking or give me advice on where to take on. I always say, look for locations that is going to be not 100% of one or hundred percent of another in terms of leisure or contractor. Mm -hmm. And you want something that's going to be your bread and butter is always contractors. So I say, look for something that you're going to be able to put contractors in. They're going to book seven days a week, or they're going to book you Monday to Friday quite solidly say three months or six months and then you're going to have leisure guests that are going to want to book the weekends Mm that you're going to have a good strong occupancy yes you're going to have locations the likes of devon that you're going to have really really high solid rates through the summer but then prepare yourself that it's not necessarily going to have a good occupancy through the winter months so with them locations i'm not going to say to my investors I recommend going in some locations if you're going to want an all-year-round occupancy. So they're the ones that I recommend are really the the combination of the two.
0: That's cool. That's cool.
1: Yeah, because I always say, you know, you never know what's going to happen. Look at COVID. Nobody ever could have predicted that. Um, and if you ever get something where it's going to be key workers only again, you want to be able to have a location where they are going to want properties in. So you want your bread and butter of the contractors.
0: And uh, sticking with the same theme for hosts or property owners who are listening to this, is there things or any tips that you'd give them about the properties, things that make, you know, as a, as a big uh, management agent easier? Is there tips that you'd have for them or what advice would you have if they were just getting started with, say, they've got a X ex-buy-to-let property and they want you to, to manage it?
1: Yeah, so I have um, criteria uh, when taking on a property. I have separate criteria for sourcing a property and I have separate criteria for internals. The the exterior exterior is always within 15 minutes drive of the town centre, no permit parking and um, no council estates. They're the criteria when looking for a property. Uh, When it's interior, I always say you want ideally three, four and five bedroom properties. Two bedrooms, yes, they do work. One bedroom's. 99 percent of the time you're competing with hotels Mm -hmm. so um they're the sort of the sweet spot the three four and five bedroom houses and you don't want magnolia houses because in even though they're fine when you're in there they look fine you know you dress them up they look good but in photos no matter what you do to them they look dated for whatever reason they look dated in photos and photos are what people look at to book your property
0: that's cool. And just that that interior design, we touched on the interior design, it's just so important. Even um, what would you say to somebody who goes, well, if I'm hosting contractors, you know, does it need to be good interior design? What would you say to those people?
1: It really does, because people have this perception of, oh, contractors don't care. They really care. What one thing that I always get from contractors is I love going to stay in a beautiful house because nine times of the time they're nicer than my house at home so it's a privilege and if I've got to work away for long periods of time I want it to be somewhere that I really enjoy staying so that's that's kind of the feedback I always get from them and not only that is if they're going to say, pay the same price for a house that looks really average and plain as a house that's really quite striking what are they going to choose
0: Exactly, exactly. And uh, we find that they look after them better as well if they're they're presented in the right way. Um, People look after the houses. They really
1: do. I mean, I I often get it where people that are quite new coming into it, that want to go into service accommodation, they'll say to me, oh, but it doesn't have to look that nice if it's going to be, you know, majority of the people that are going to say there are contractors. And I say, actually, they look after the houses better than leisure guests do. They really do. They care. And if they don't look after them, 99 percent of the time, it's actually their superiors and the people in the office that are booking these properties for them. Mm -hmm. And they will say to us, if they don't look after them houses, you tell me. (laughs) (laughs) So, so, yeah, they do.
0: Yeah, they don't want to be in trouble with the boss at the end of the day. (laughs) So in the journey that you've had, what's one perception that you've had about serviced accommodation which has changed over time?
1: before coming in service accommodation i always thought airbnb was only leisure i thought it was a hundred percent leisure i did not know this field was for contractors i didn't even know it existed and that's that was the biggest surprise to me
0: it's um i think people tend to think i mean they go airbnb they go oh people just have parties in your houses and you just go well I don't know about you, but it represents such a small percentage when there is, you know, so much more to it, isn't it? Like you say, there's uh, contractors, leisure people stand for families and, and things like that. Yeah, actually,
1: so, it was pr- predominantly for, like, couples just to go away for a weekend. That's what I thought it was all about.
0: Uh, so, uh, we, we often relate it to what, you know, w- what we do, isn't it? What well, we've used Airbnb yeah. for and, uh, you know, it's, for us, it's a couple's break or, or as a family. So your day-to-day role, obviously, back in... 2020 your day-to-day role was much more hands-on how has things changed now you're at that stage where you've got 150 units how many staff do you you employ now or or as part of the team
1: so we have around 20 in-house staff in the office Mm
0: -hmm.
1: um obviously that doesn't include any housekeeping doesn't include our our building team our setup teams but the other the ones that are physically in the office
0: Amazing! And how has your job role changed? Your day-to-day routines. What what has changed over over the time?
1: Well, it's, when it when I first started, it I did everything. I'd done sort of the guest relations. I'd done um, talking to the investors. I was i done literally every role you can think of. Whereas now I don't talk to guests. We have our booking team for that. I don't deal with the the builders. I don't deal with the onboarding. Um, team sort of arranging the keys for collections for the setups I don't deal with any kind of things like that I don't deal with any finance yeah there's there's all them kind of things that I don't have any sort of sale input in the only thing I do now is I look after the investors and the landlords
0: that's cool and that's
1: my sort of role the There'll business.
0: be people listening in who are you know doing all those things wearing all the different hats you know in in the businesses and uh it's quite inspiring to hear that you can get to a stage you build out a team and and you get to that stage and um it's it's one of those ones where where you have you pick the things that you're good at and you like doing, and you can outsource the rest as you build the teams which is yeah. which is awesome so um yeah, and what advice would you have for yourself if you could go back and, and start again? What advice would you give yourself now looking back, if any?
1: That's a really difficult question.
0: Any, anything?
1: Um... I don't think I would change anything. I don't think I would.
0: No, that's cool. I that's... Think,
1: yeah, I think everything that I've done, I've learned from. So if I changed anything, I would just be changing things that I made certain mistakes on. And if I didn't do them, then I wouldn't have learned. So I wouldn't change anything.
0: That's really cool. I like that answer. That is, that is really cool. And if somebody's looking to get started, so they're thinking, you know, I'm going to launch a, a management business. What tip would you, would you want to give them if they were just getting started?
1: If they're about to launch a management business, I would be, I'd say get yourself out there. Put yourself out there. Talk to as many people in the service accommodation network it's a very different group of people. Generally, what I experience is, because I've been in property for such a long time, people in property are, they're not necessarily as close-knit as service accommodation people. They're, they're so helpful. Everybody kind of comes together, you're close-knit, and they're so supportive. So if you want help, you want you want to know something, everybody's so up for helping and supporting each other in service accommodation. It's like a whole different kettle of fish when it comes to property. So if you're coming into it, talk to people, be on the Facebook group, ask questions. If you're just starting out, I wouldn't say get a mentor because I think that's too early. I would say go and talk to agents. I would say buy a, buy a deal. Yeah. I'd say deal source something. Get your first unit and talk to people and learn from your first deal. Um, Do that because you can't learn unless you're doing it, unless you're in the thick of it. Learn from your first property. Once you've got the knowledge on your first one, you're fully in it and you know what you're doing, then start growing. Then when you feel ready, get yourself a mentor and then learn from their mistakes. That's how you grow.
0: I love that. What a brilliant bit of advice that is and I'm sure there'll be people listening who, who uh can put that into practice because you know the the fact that when you've got the first one you can really get hands on and that's when the training really begins isn't it. Yeah. What we always like to do is uh, end these with some quick fire fun questions. So um couple of questions. What do you like to do for fun? How do you relax?
1: I'm quite a party girl, so when I have spare time um I'll be like Greg. Let's go out. Let's let ourselves our hair down, and you know I love to go out, have a few drinks, and dance.
0: So, so people can find you in the the Bedford nightclubs with with Greg partying, basically.
1: <laughs> I'm more of a bar kind of girl, not yeah. so much a club. I've never been a club girl, but I do love a good dance. Um, Spend time with my family. And my little boy and my dogs. That's what I love. That's what I'm, that's my fun.
0: That's cool. And uh, who inspires you? Anybody you who follow? Who inspires me? Yeah.
1: Um, I'll tell you who inspires me. Shakira.
0: Nice.
1: <laughs> yeah. I lo- she's, she's somewhat, I'll tell you why. I, I love how she is so giving and how much she gives back. She's always stayed completely true to who she is and um she her, the amount of charity work she does i think is incredible
0: It's amazing that's amazing and um lastly is there any books uh that you'd recommend uh people read or uh, podcasts that people follow yours oh well of course <laughs> mark, mark will be pleased you've said that we'll, do, we'll give you your money afterwards <laughs> but yeah any other books or any other podcasts
1: um no, I'm not a big follower on books and podcasts. Um, I don't have time.
0: No worries. No worries. Well,
1: yeah, I don't. I don't have time to read books and, and stuff like that. So,
0: so if people wanted to get in touch with the right property group, find out about your management services, best place to do so would be the website. Is that right? Yeah. So uh, www.therightpropertygroup.co.uk for everybody who's listening and wants to check out uh, Natalie and the Right Property Group. I just realized we've been talking about Greg. Uh, it's worth mentioning for Greg Dorbin, for those who don't know him as well. Um, obviously, yeah. he's, he's your partner in crime. And uh, if there's any closing comments you've got for, for people listening at all?
1: No, not really. I'd love to. Just, uh, it'd
0: be a cool way to close. What do you think the future of the serviced accommodation and holiday let business is um, here in the UK?
1: I think there's going to be um, regulations coming in. I think it's good for people to be aware of that. They've already put it in, they've implemented it in Scotland. I think that's the only a matter of time in the next two years. Well. Um, the council are going to implement sort of planning, licensing in the same way as they did with HMOs. Um, so I think it's a case of when you're sourcing to be aware, make sure, you know, to have build up good relationships with landlords. Um, so then when you do source a property that you can then go to them and say, Hey, I'm going to pay for it. Be prepared for me to take it on a long-term basis, as opposed to most deal sourcing deals are done on a three-year basis.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So they're the things, they're the conversations to start having when you're looking to deal source.
0: That's cool. Worth worth looking out for the, uh, yeah. the legislation coming in. Yeah. Well, Natalie, thank you so much for spending your time with us today. Uh, really a pleasure to have you on the podcast. I've learned a lot from the podcast. I'm sure others listening in have as well. So, uh, Thank you. I'm sure people are going to reach out to you at the right property group and uh, yeah, if um, you know we look forward to seeing what the future of the right property group does. So Thank thanks again. there. Uh, bye for now. Thank you.